And we have a, a special guest speaker today, somebody I really love, I really care about. We were in a small group together for a long time. She was a staff member at Westwinds for a long time. Uh, she worked formerly at, at the Spring Arbor University and has since moved on to Las Vegas, working with an organization that helps women transition out of sex trafficking. And her name is Robin Smith, and she's here on behalf of Refuge for Women. So please welcome Robin as she comes this morning. Thanks. It's great to be with you today. So one of my uh, greatest lessons that I learned while I lived in Michigan was my Cold Stone strategy. I don't know if you knew there was a Cold Stone strategy, but there is, and this strategy is going to change your life if you like ice cream. I promise you that. So this is it. The Cold Stone strategy is you go into Cold Stone and you order a like it. If you're a Cold Stone person, you're saying, yes, like it. You know what the size means, right? So you order a like it, and then you start to talk. And you talk, and you talk, and you talk to the person who's making your ice cream. And you get them talking, and you ask them questions, and they start answering your questions, and you keep them talking, because the longer they talk, the more ice cream they put on the slab. And they just keep adding ice cream. So then they get to the point where they're adding in all of the fixins. You know, you can pick your toppings. And again, you just keep talking and asking them questions. And they put in another scoop or they add another Reese's peanut butter cup. And it just gets a little bigger and bigger. You comment them on like their characteristics that you notice. Like, man, your muscles are so strong from making that ice cream. You're awesome. You're the best ice cream maker ever. And by the time you're done, you have a gotta have it. And you walk out with a gotta have it, even though you walked in and you only ordered to like it. And I'm telling you, it works every time. I've done this all across the world and it works every time. Not the world, all across the United States. And I get, you know, like it's and you end up with a gotta have it. Here's the thing that I want us to talk about today. You may think this is silly. Like, why, why would anyone settle for a like it when you can have a gotta have it, right? Like, let's go big or go home. We're doing the right thing here with ice cream, right? But we do this all the time in our spiritual life. And we settle for like it when God offers us a gotta have it. And we do it all the time. And I want to suggest today that the reason we do it is because we don't understand our position in Christ. If we truly understand who we are in Jesus and understand our position in Christ, we recognize that God says we are gotta have it people. And so we need to live our lives like gotta have it people. And if we don't understand that, we settle for like it's. And we settle for less than. There's a verse in Romans 8, 37, and it says this, No, in all these things, we are completely victorious through the one who loved us. In the original language, the words for completely victorious literally means this. It means to conquer, to overcome, to utterly defeat, to dominate, to exercise rule over, to have lordship over, to be more than victorious, to have victory with victory to spare. That's what God says we are. That's our position in Christ, that we have victory with victory to spare. That's the message that we need to play in our minds when we're thinking about who we are and what our identity is. And here's what I really love. Those verses, those words are written in the present indicative voice, which means it's happening in real time. So as the author is saying it, it's actually happening. So it's not dependent on something that's going to happen in the future. It's not dependent on how I feel. It's not dependent on my circumstances. It is a matter of fact. 
that I am completely victorious as a follower of Jesus. I have victory with victory to spare. So what I want us to talk about today is what does that look like and how do we live that out? And why do we settle for less than when Jesus says we are more than? This is a battle that we fight daily at Refuge for Women with the women who come into our program because their minds have been so ingrained in the lie that they are less than, it is really difficult for them to see themselves any other way other than less than. These are some of the lies that the women who come into Refuge for Women have to battle against. The lie that says you are unworthy, that God doesn't see you, that God doesn't love you, that you are unlovable, that you will never find victory, that you don't deserve any life other than the life you're living right now, that you are not enough, that you will never be enough, that you will always be an addict, that you will never stay clean, that you are less than. And I think if we're honest and we step back, we probably have fought the same lies in our own mind. We have felt like we too are less than or that we're unlike. lovable or that we will never be enough or that we will never be able to have victory over something that we're facing in our life. We are not that different from the women who come to Refuge for Women And I want to challenge us today because listening to the wrong voice in our head, listening to the wrong story can be really dangerous for us as followers of Jesus because it affects the way we live our life. It affects how we walk. When we listen to the wrong story, when, the, when we take our identity from the lie that says our feelings dictate who we are or our circumstances dictate who we are, we find ourselves living a life that is less than, definitely not victory with victory to spare. And that's not the way that God has designed for us to live. So none of us are superheroes. None of us feel like we're victorious all the time. There's nothing wrong with not feeling victorious. The wrong comes in when we start to live as if we're defeated. And when we live as if we are less than, because that's not who God says we are as followers of Jesus. We need to make sure we're paying attention to the right story. I love the... um, theme of Westwinds that we are a church that will shadow God and build the church and heal the world. And here's the danger. If we listen to the wrong story in our mind, we're not people who shadow God, but we're people who shy away from God because we don't want anything to do with him because we're listening to the wrong story. If we're listening to the wrong tape in our mind, we're not people who are building the church. Instead, we're people who probably are blaming the church for everything that's wrong. And if we're listening to the wrong lie, we're not people who are healing the world, but in fact, we become people who bring harm to the world. And this is what it looks like when we listen to the lie that says, you can't make a difference. You're not, you're not talented enough to make a difference. You don't have the resources to make a difference. The problem is too big. You can't do anything about it. When we listen to that lie, we stay stuck and we don't get involved, and we don't do anything, and that brings harm because the world needs people who are willing to get out there and do something. The truth of Scripture says, you are the light of the world, so we need to be the light. 
and bring healing to the world. The scripture says you are the salt of the earth. We need to be that salt and bring it to the world. And scripture also says love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be people who are loving our neighbors and bringing healing to the world. And to do anything less than that brings harm. The truth in this industry that I work in is that the sex industry is a $100 billion industry um, annually, $100 billion. In Las Vegas, it's estimated that there are 10,000 women daily involved in life of the sex industry. And 92% of women say that if they had the resources, they would get out. But they don't feel like they have the skill or the resources that they would need to be successful outside of the sex industry. 92% of women involved in the sex industry don't want to be involved in the sex industry. They want to get out. But here's some more truth. There are only 800 beds in the United States in shelters and programs designated for women who are coming out of the sex industry. 800 beds, 10,000 women in Las Vegas alone, 92% of them want to come out. In Las Vegas, we have 15 beds at Refuge for Women. Refuge for Women has the largest presence in America working in this industry because we have 62 beds around the country. But even do the math, 15 beds in Las Vegas, 10,000 women working in the industry. 92% of them want to come out. Do you see the gap? The gap is huge from the need that's out there. So if we listen to the lie, then we start to say that gap is too big. I can't do anything about that. It's just too much. I don't have the resources to serve 10,000 women, so I can't do anything. But if we listen to the truth and start acting on the truth, we do what we can do. We do what we can do with what God has given us to do. And so I find myself, a girl from Michigan, living in Las Vegas, working with an organization that has 15 beds. And it doesn't seem like that many, but for the 15 women who are in our 15 beds, it's, it's life and it's hope and it's healing. So we do what we can do. When we listen to the right story, we recognize that we are more than conquerors and the world needs us to be victorious. The world needs us to walk that out. So that's what we do. There's a story in scripture where Jesus really kind of brings us home and shows us just how to do that, just how to listen to the right story in our heads. And so I want us to look at that this morning. It's found in John chapter five, and it's verses one through nine, and this is what it says. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. So I want us to pay attention to two things in this story. And these are two of the life skills that we teach the women at Refuge because it's so important if we are going to be victorious people and if we are going to live from a position of victory. The first thing is the blind man or the lame man who has, was lying on his mat for 38 years, look at who he was surrounded by. He surrounded himself with people who were blind, who were lame, and paralyzed. 
Those words in their original language, the word blind means to envelop with smoke, to not see clearly, to be foggy in the mind, to be slow of understanding. The word lame means to slacken, to loosen, to let fall, or to rock back and forth. And the word paralyzed is actually the word that is used for a withering tree that is so dry it produces nothing. So here's the the type of people that the man is surrounding himself with. They're blind, they're lame, they're paralyzed. There's no way they can help him. Right? That's a lesson that we need to take to heart and, and that we teach the women at, re- at Refuge, that we have to pay attention to who we allow into our circle, who we allow to speak into our life, because the people that you surround yourself with are going to be the voices that you listen to. Those are, that's what's going to be playing in your head, and we have to pay attention to that. We have a guideline at Refuge for Women uh, with the ladies that says that when they come to us, they're allowed to have four people on their contact list and only four. Those are the people that they can make phone calls to, that they can write letters to, and that they can receive letters to. Now, there's nothing magic about the number four, but we're teaching them the principle of being selective of who you let into your life because we have to have boundaries for who we listen to, who's in our inner circle, who we pay attention to. So in the process of them choosing their four people, we teach them what that looks like, and we talk about character. What is the character of the people that you surround yourself with? Is it, Are these people people who are pouring into you, who are encouraging you, who are building you up, or are they people who are sucking life out of you? That's like people that we serve, but that's not people that we put in our inner circle. And we have to pay attention to that if we're going to listen to the right voice. This is so crucially important for women who are coming out of the sex industry because part of the um, entrapment in the sex industry is that their ability to make choices has been removed from them. And we want to give that freedom back and we want to empower them to make healthy, strong choices, especially in the area of relationships. But they have been taught through the sex industry and through their trafficker that they're not smart enough to make a good choice, that they need to just let someone else make all the choices for them. They have no say in who comes in and out of their life in the, in the world of the sex industry. And so we teach them how to get that say back and how to take, not charge, but take control over the influences that you will allow in your life. And that is so important if we are going to listen to the right tape in our head and if we are going to walk in victory. Another thing that happens in that story uh, with Jesus in the lame man is in verse 7. And the lame man says, someone else always gets down before me. I love the phrase that says, or the quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. And that is so true in our life. When we find ourselves comparing ourselves to someone else or comparing our situation to somebody else's situation, we always end up less than. We always end up feeling like we are not victorious or like things didn't go the way that we wanted it to go or woe is me kind of thing is the take that we walk away from that. And when we expect our victory to look a certain way and when it doesn't turn out the way that we think and we define that as defeat, we find ourselves settling for like it living when we should be walking as gotta have it people. 
And that is another lesson that we teach the women at Refuge all the time. One of our phrases that we say to them all the time is stay in your own lane because it's so easy to start comparing yourself to somebody else. My healing isn't happening as quickly as somebody else's, so I must be failing. That's something that we combat with them. Or, um, you know, this thing that I wanted to happen didn't happen for me, so I must be a failure. And we have to fight that. That is a lie that the devil uses to get into your mind to make you see yourself as less then. And then you don't walk in victory. You start walking in defeat. So uh, to just share with you what this looks like for the women at Refuge, we had a, a gal who came to us about three years ago, and she actually graduated from our program. And when she came into our program, she had zero contact with her two children. She had a son who was 18 and a son who was um, eight or nine at the time, and she did not have any contact with them. The oldest son was by his choice. He didn't want anything to do with her because of the lifestyle that she had been living. The youngest son was by the choice of the court system, that she could have no contact with them. And one of her goals as she went through Refuge for Women was she wanted to be reunited and have that relationship restored with her children. That's a great goal. That's a healthy goal to have. And so we started working on that relationship while she was at Refuge, and we made a little bit of progress, and it was slow going, and you know, things started to change a little bit. And by the time she graduated, she was able to have phone calls with her youngest son. And she hadn't had those before. So we looked at that as a win. But a really big win was her oldest son actually flew out to Las Vegas and came to her graduation. And it was the first time they had seen each other face to face in years. That was a huge win. And that really looked and felt like victory. Fast forward two months ago, I'm sitting in a coffee shop with this gal, and uh, she's telling me what she's facing today. And her ex-husband had just reached out to her and asked her to relinquish all rights to her youngest son because he just got remarried and his new wife wants to adopt him, and they want to be a family. And she's faced with this incredible decision in front of her, like, my dream is that my relationship with my son would be restored, and her vision of restoration was that he would come and live with her. But that wasn't reality, and that's not what was going to happen. And we started unpacking, what does this relationship look like? And she realized that she does have phone calls with her son. She is allowed to see him on holidays. She can call him whenever she wants. And this was the hardest part. This was exactly what her son wanted. And she did the bravest thing I've ever seen anybody do. She made that decision that she would sign off her rights so that she could maintain a relationship. That does not look or feel like victory. It looks and feels like defeat. But then Krista flips the switch on me and she teaches me the greatest lesson when she says, I have complete victory in Jesus. And it doesn't feel like it, but he says I'm more than a conqueror and I'm going to live my life as if I'm more than a conqueror. That is victory. That's got to have it living. And sometimes when you're working with women who are coming through incredible trauma, victory just doesn't look like leave it to beaver. It just doesn't. This work is messy and it is hard. And sometimes for women coming out of the sex industry, Victory just looks like one day clean. Or victory might look like one night of not getting woken up in the middle of the night from a night terror. 
or victory might look like relinquishing my rights for the sake of a relationship. It's not clean and it's messy, but it still is victory because scripture is what defines our victory, not our circumstances, not the situations that we find ourselves in. And God says that we have victory with victory to spare. And we walk that out. So one last example of what this victory looks like. In the church that I go to in Las Vegas, our youth pastor's name is Michael and his wife's name is Gia. And Gia is the sister-in-law to one of the LA Lakers. And a while back they received an invitation and it said, as a family member of this player, you have been invited to the family buffet. So come and enjoy all you like and then enjoy the game. So Michael and Gia drove over to Los Angeles. They drove to Lakers Stadium. They parked in the special parking. They walked in the entrance that says VIP above it and they walked into this room and before them was spread this incredible buffet, a buffet like they have never seen. And they went up to the buffet and Gia picked up a salad plate and she's walking down the buffet line and she picked up a carrot and put it on her plate. And then she picked up a cucumber slice and put it on her plate. And then she picked up a little sausage and cheese roll and put it on her plate. And then she turned around and looked at her husband, Michael. And Michael was coming down the line behind her and he had the biggest plate that they had. And it was heaped with food from the buffet. He was pulling everything he could and food was falling off the plates. He had so much food on that plate. He had grapes shoved in his cheeks till the point that he looked like a chipmunk. He had a handful of chips and he was dumping them on. He had water bottles stuffed in all of his pockets of his sweatsuit. He had like foo-foo water over here and flavored water over here. And Gia looks at him and goes, Michael, what are you doing? Put that back. You're embarrassing me. And Michael said that he stopped and he literally heard this voice inside of his head that said, Michael, you have a choice to make. Listen to the voice that tells you you don't deserve the buffet or listen to the invitation. And Michael looked at her and he said, Gia, I choose the invitation because the invitation said, as a member of this family, you are invited to the buffet. Take all you want and enjoy the game. And I wanna tell you today that your invitation says the same thing. As a member of God's family, you have been invited to the buffet. So take all you want, because the victory is yours. Enjoy the game. So we have a choice to make. Which voice are we going to listen to? The voice that says we don't deserve it, or the voice that says you have the invitation Enjoy the buffet. And today we get to choose to stay on our mat or to get up and walk out in victory and let the victory overflow with victory to spare for somebody else. Thank you.